When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. I'm Spanners, the host and producer of Missed Apex Podcast. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined by F1 media legend and inventor of sim racing, Joe Sayward. How's it going, Joe? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for that very kind introduction. We'll find out later. The, the full story of how you basically invented all of esports, um, because we, we knew you were coming round, <laughs> but I didn't realise quite why. It's a good story coming up later. A good winter, though, Joe, all rested up. You were peacefully holed up in a cave with a glass of red wine all winter long. Not quite, but it's a nice concept to think of, yes. I've been busy digging gardens and having grandchildren and all this sort of lark, you know, as one does. Oh. And uh, and I've been writing every day. I haven't. If you noticed on the blog, you'll see that I'm now at fascinating Formula One fact number eighty something. So every single day since I got home, I've been writing, much to my the annoyance of my wife, I have to say. So you haven't been fully rested. I'm quite rested, but I could I could certainly use another month at least, and I've got slightly less than that. But such is life, you know. We 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 do what we do. So. You know, I, I think probably if somebody said you've got three months off, another three months off, I'd probably say that's fine. I can I can handle that. I do know a number of Formula One people who have said to me that I could use another, you know, they could use another month off at least. But, you know, there are some of the, the, the more sort of um, lunatic fringe who, who just want to get back racing again all the time. Every I mean, they'd race on December the 1st if they could. Sorry, the, December the 31st. Oh, well, I suppose for you, even though F1's kind of shutting down, there's a sense of freedom because you haven't got the const- the constant drumbeat of races and news, so you can settle down and you know write another edition of your bathroom book. Fascinating facts. 
Well, yeah, if you look at what's happened in the winter, seriously, what real news stories, every day people are churning out stories, most of which, almost all of which, to be fair, is garbage. But they are feeding a market that they think is there. My view is that unless there's anything really super dramatic, and I think I've written two news stories over the winter that, that had real sort of importance. Uh, otherwise, I've just been doing my my fascinating facts, and people have been coming to read them. You know, if they like if they like to discover more about the sport, fair enough. But I'm not chasing around after every every Ricardo says I'm going to love Hulkenberg, and Hulkenberg says I'm going to hate Ricardo stories. I don't care. You know, it's not real stuff, is it? What kind of outlet would hang around all winter long, churning out content just to try and pick up extra extra listeners? I mean, I mean readers. Everybody, everybody would do that, but I. That's not my way. I'm much happier doing what I do. So yeah. I'm not going to waste my energy on writing crap stories that everyone else has written in a crap way anyway. Joe, if I was to put you on the spot and say you've spent all winter churning out these fascinating facts, and I don't mean churning in a, a disrespectful way. I just oh, mean, uh, churning is a very, very sound ex- description of what I've been doing. Yeah. If I was to ask if you would be kind enough to regale our Missed Apex audience with one such fascinating spa- fact, and, I, and I'm putting you on the spot, w- would you be willing to share one? All you have to do is go to Joe Blogs oh. F1 and read 82 of them. It's not that hard. Why don't you, know? you like? Why don't you do it like a tease here, and then people go, "Oh, that's such a good fact. I want to find the the other oh. 81 more." There are 81 of them. I can't remember all of them. You know, it's it's it's. I mean, they're they're very very weird, wild and varied. There was one two days ago about the Roman Empire. Oh, I'm and fully all about the Romans. Tell me the Roman Empire F1 story. Chariot. Chariot racing. In chariot racing, it, the, the point I was trying to make is that uh, the most successful sportsman in the history of the world, financially speaking, was a chariot racer who earned some ludicrous amount of money in his career, which makes the earnings of Lewis Hamilton look like small change. There was quite, made, quite a lot of death involved, though, Joe. There, there was a lot of death involved, but this guy did an entire career, and I think he earned you know billions of by, by you know, in... Uh, in terms of Roman bucks, uh, well, no. In terms of if you if you apparently you can work out the value of money, and it has been worked out. And this man earned something like fifteen billion in his career. So all these sportsmen of today think they're jolly wealthy and all the rest of it, but they knew nothing because this bloke he was the bee's knees, and even parts of the dog one can't talk about on podcasts. So in chariot racing. Is it that's basically early ovals, isn't it? And it was all about the crashes. No, no, it was more than that because not only was it all about the crashes, but it was also um, it became political. There, there was an entire uprising based on they they tried to overthrow the empire or the emperor based on the different teams involved. They had street fights, they had battles. I mean, we're talking about proper serious hooliganism before hooliganism before motorsport was invented but it was motorsport it only had, the difference was it had four horsepower <laughs> four horsepower i like that so are you advocating then a return to just full-on violence in the grandstands mercedes fans versus ferrari fans i'm up for it let's go let's do it <laughs> well, i suppose uh no i'm not really advocating that but then again you know i'm not sure there are enough fans from either anybody really going to the grandstands these days you know well so. what, what about an out and out war between people who think the new ferrari is red 
and then people who correctly think it is orange. How about that? I'd be up for that war. Orange. It is orange, isn't it? Have you not seen have it? You thought, have you thought of going to see an optician? <gasps> You're on Team Red. Oh, I'm sorry, but I look at it and I see red. No, I don't mean that in the sense that I see red. Well, I just see red. Well, I do apologise. I don't see a very nice red. I thought the old red was much nicer. Wow. When I look at when I look at McLaren, I don't see papaya. I see orange. But then again, you know, colours are a weird thing because people see colours in different ways. Well, I mean, it doesn't bode well for the rest of the show because if you can be that wrong about the colour of the Ferrari car, I mean. <laughs> Can we really trust any of your opinions? Uh, is well, I haven't seen I haven't seen it live yet. I shall do that tomorrow. Now then, now so you are going to Barcelona. You are testing. You love testing. You love absorbing the atmosphere. No, you think I, it's I brilliant. don't love testing. I've I've been testing no time since 1990, but I am going to Barcelona tomorrow for the testing because you love it. No, oh, it's for, it's for it's for something else. It is for a working group. Ooh. Actually, it's for a, for a um. Yes, it's for a working group. It's for the promotional working group of Formula One. And I'm going there to explain to them that they need to be nicer to journalists. Really? <laughs> yeah, I... no, because, I mean, look, we had a Mercedes launch, which had no access to anybody. We had a yeah. McLaren launch where they gave it to the fans first. And we went through last year with Ferrari not allowing a single person to talk to the media. So there's something clearly wrong. And I'm a member of the FIA uh, working media working group. And we had a meeting the other day and we decided that we needed to talk to the teams about um, where things were going. And so I'm going to see them tomorrow and just say, look, chaps, we've got a few problems. And um, and it's a serious it's a serious thing um, because otherwise the written press and the written press is not just newspaper articles. It's internet as well. It's going to die out and there will be no specialists left. You'll only get what Sky News gives you or what, um, the big organizations and, and who knows who they've done deals with. You know, you have to be, you have to have some independent voices left. Wait a minute. What you're saying? There's some underhand deal where Toto Wolf says, "Listen, Sky, you must be very kind about our team orders. Otherwise, uh, we will stop access." You think that's that's the kind of thing that might happen? That specific example? No, I don't think that specific example is correct because Toto Wolf is one of the more intelligent team principals. Despite you know his best his best efforts not to appear intelligent, he's very smart. Uh, some of the others are not that smart, sadly. As was proved last year at Ferrari, they made a complete pig's ear of the whole thing. And that wasn't the fault of Arriva Bene either. That was the fault of Mr. Marchione, who just decreed, decreed that no one would talk to the press. No one was so frightened of him, they didn't. Um, and that was a complete disaster, because what Ferrari did was alienated everybody including the TVs, it was really unsmart. Um, and they have to relearn how to do things. And the thing is, the press are not stupid. I mean, you know, people think we're stupid, but we're not stupid. Um, and we just want to be treated fairly. We don't want the glib rubbish. We don't want lightweight stuff that people who aren't here in the races are happy to settle for. We want to have good information, good access, and we want to give good stories because that's what we that's what we do. So you're give, you're sort of you're not a one man band. You've got a, a team, but no, you're no. There's, there's a whole bunch of people who who think in the same way that I do. In a lot of respects, we're all one man bands because 
we are producing our own different things. But the fact is that what we want to do is to give the best, we're in it to give the best possible uh, reportage to fans. And, you know, we've been doing that for years. We're not, it's not just about the money. There's no money in it. It's a lousy job if you want to make money. You know, uh, people who write about the aerodynamics of Formula One cars, and you might like to listen to this because all technical analysis that is done on Formula One is largely bullshit. Because okay. if the people, I'm sorry, bull beep. 11.21 adds yet another beep. Welcome <laughs> welcome back to Inside F1, Spanners. Go on, go. Technical analysis. Uh, by the way, well, do... Technical analysis, is so, the aerodynamics are so complicated that anybody who pretends they understand them should be employed by the team because you get paid a whole load more money for understanding how the aero works. If you're a journalist, you know, aero is just, it's just impossible to understand it's so clever it's so advanced and vortexes are doing all kinds of weird stuff that we can't understand for one minute so to pretending we know how to do it is just silly quite, i quite agree with you joe thanks for that insight guys be sure to tune into mr apex tech time with f1 tech journalist matthew summerfield on sunday here on the live stream does he apex talk about podcast. vortices all the time oh no the vortices is running down the the flange that's that's exactly how he sounds um yeah but uh and, and, and does he does he work in a wind tunnel no and and i i will defend summers in that i don't think he ever says oh that little flappy bit means that they're going to get more downforce in this kind of corner i think any journalist who claims that they understand the technology of modern aerodynamics in formula one is just not they don't. Nobody understands it. Even mm. the aerodynamicists don't get it. It's so complicated. That that in itself is a problem, though, for a spectator. It is. Sport. I'm not saying that's not a problem. I'm saying that you know, let's 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 not dress up things and pretend to be what we're not. Because if we if we understood it, we would be employed by the team. Seriously, it's so advanced. So uh, back to your meeting, Joe. Um, yes. The chat room, which you can join, listener, by going to Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube, uh, and you can get a little notification there. When we go live, you'll get a little buzz on your phone, and you can come and watch us. You can watch me here in my HD and Joe in his, like, one times three res webcam that he's got going on there. Uh, and you can you can come and play in the chat room. And uh, Stuart Neal has said there, Spanner, this is your chance to have podcasters represented. Joe, when you go in that meeting, are you going to fight for for more shed-based podcasters to be represented and have access in F1? Well, how can a shed-based podcast have access in F1? I've been fighting for a very long time to get um, to get some video content allowed for journalists in the paddock, and, and we're winning. This season, we are going to have journalists written journalists in the paddock are going to have the ability to use a certain amount of video per weekend. It's not going to be a lot and it's not going to be interview with drivers, but it will be something. And that is a big step forward because the world is going towards video. We all understand that. We all understand that, you know, everybody, everybody who can be in the paddock wants to show everybody else that they are in the paddock because that's one thing that all the uh, all the pretend uh, coverage that we have in formula 1 i'm not i'm not knocking i feel attacked not, no no you shouldn't feel attacked <laughs> because you're you know you're 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 at least doing it properly and you're trying very hard 
And thanks, Joe. What, what, but no, but it's true. What 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 I, d- I really don't like is people who pretend they're not there. Sorry, who pretend, pretend they are there when they're not. And there's a lot of people who do that. And so having that little bit of video from the paddock every weekend will be very useful. We're not. We won't be allowed to do interviews with drivers. But we will be allowed to interview each other, if you like, or we will be allowed to show ourselves in the paddock. But when the cars are running, we can't show you car shots, but we will have something. They're giving us something, which is a start. Um, Obviously, there was a huge amount of of resistance to that from TV companies who said, well, why should written journalists have that? Our view is, well, why should TV companies have the press conferences? Now, they're designed for us, not for them. But Sky has completely taken the FIA press conference and has destroyed mm-hmm. it, yep. basically, because we, you know, that they go and listen to everybody else's questions, and they and they and they and they broadcast it, and and everything that is said in the press conference is no longer ours. So as a result of that, all you get is people profiling and asking questions if they want to be on TV, but real questions are not asked. So that that German guy is he German? The one who asked the extraordinarily long questions is he is he doing that as a bet? Well, there's there's a number of people who do that, but there is one who I believe might be known as a South African. Ah, um, right, sorry. Who who does that a lot, Uh, and that may be profiling. I'm not entirely sure. I understand what he does, but that there you are. Um, He makes himself happy doing it. Uh, He the answers get given to everybody. And therefore, what's the point in doing it? There is no logical uh, approach. There is an Italian who always asks three questions in every question, who's quite funny. Um, But otherwise, it's really not worth doing because everything you said is instantly out there in the world. Yeah, you you don't have any advantage over anyone else. Do you do you ever bother but, asking questions? That's question? also true. That's also true. Some of the teams are now recording what they the drivers say to the press, and they're, they're instantly publishing it. So <clears throat> they're they're basically completely undermining everything that we do, and that's why there needs to be some conversation with the teams and saying, look, come on, chaps, you've got to give us something. Otherwise, why are we traveling around the world at vast expense? Mm-hmm. There's no logic, and and this is what's happening. Gradually, the press corps is dying. And is that a good thing? People say, well, don't be so old-fashioned. You're a silly old fart. You know, why does anyone have to ever talk to anybody? Sorry, a silly old bleep. Oh, oh you're, um, you're, reading, you're reading the chat room, are you, uh, Joe? Me? No, I'm not reading the <laughs> chat room, but I know what people say. But what people don't yeah. understand is that if you don't have people who are there asking the proper questions, you'll never get any proper answers. And so they think, oh, the teams will tell us what we want and F1 will tell us what we want. They won't. They'll tell us what... You, they want to tell you. And if you accept that as being proper news, you're not very clever. So, you know, what you want is journalists asking hard questions that they have to answer. And if you don't have that, it's just the whole thing is what the Germans would call ersatz, which is fake. I'm just going to, with your track record, I'm just going to assume that that is a German swear word. I'm just going to beep it anyway, no, no, erz- just erzatz, for safety. Ersatz means fake. I don't, I don't trust you. I'm sorry. In the, in, during the Second World War, they used to serve Erzatz coffee, really, which was basically acorns, and they basically would make coffee out of acorns, give it to everybody, and everyone go, everyone go, that's Erzatz cafe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all. It's a perfectly acceptable word, but the point is, if you want proper journalism from Formula One, you have to allow proper journalists to do the job because TV companies and internet journalists from afar can't do it. As much as they think they can, and as much as what they can do may be 
maybe can replace what proper journalists do, ultimately you'll get a far worse service. You won't get to know more about Formula One. You'll just get what you they want you to know. Breaking news, Joe Saywood, member of F1 Press Corps, likes F1 Press Corps. Uh, but what are you going to no, do? No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to save the F1 Press Corps because there won't be one. That's the point I'm making. There will not be a press corps in F1 before too long if 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 they go on cutting back. I'm and enjoying that's not this. Good. I'm, that's not I'm good. enjoying this. The passion of a of an artisan tradesman, Joe. So you're, you're not just here for an insight into F1 news itself, which we definitely will get to. But I do enjoy getting this insight uh, into into the kind of the day-to-day of what it's like trying to report on F1. And if you remember back to kind of the dark days of my childhood, you just got what you were given. And I don't think many people would argue that it's worse now that you can get a variety of opinions. It's far worse now. It's far worse now. You think it's... When you say you get what you were given, that was depending on what you're reading. Um, You know, if you were... In the old days, one had access to drivers. One could talk to drivers. And, and they would tell you what they really thought. If it was, you know, it wasn't always on the record. It wasn't always for quoting. But they'd say, you know, this car's rubbish, you know, and things like that. Um, that you won't, you just won't get anybody saying nowadays because you can't get to them. And so teams are basically the PR departments are are rather, um, how should we say? Um, they tend to dictate things, and it's not their job to dictate things. It's their job to try to make their team look good. And the fact is that what fans want, and I'm not dictating what fans want, I'm just telling you based on my experience, what fans want is to know what people are like. People like people. They don't want to know what some PR man tells you. We want heroes. Exactly. Mm. So a PR man says this person's a hero. Does that make them a hero? No, it makes them a PR man who says they're a hero. It's not the same. Let the people talk for themselves. Bit bit of uh, talking of the people talking for themselves. Bit of an argument going on in the chat room here. Uh, Spanners not knowing that ersatz is a real word is dating himself, says Mark Malloy. Someone else is suggesting that I need to get myself a thesaurus for not knowing it. But then we have a bit of controversy because Bruce Wayne says ersatz does not mean fake. Uh, Falschung means fake. Okay, go. so what does ersatz mean? I don't know, Joe. I'm the idiot. No, well, ask I need your man Bruce or whatever his name is if he's so smart. Ask him what ersatz means. Uh, I'm a bit curious about this video stuff that you say you're getting, Joe, because yeah. um, I am fascinated with your model of F1 reporting. So the way I've known you as a reporter has been through your blog. and uh, But your blog is probably more of a a portal to Joe, a way to access Joe. The, the reason you go to the Grand Prix is to sell and report on your GP Plus magazine, which is an online... No, no, that's not. Oh. Uh, the reason I go to Grand Prix is because it's the only way you can do the job properly. And the reason I go to Grand Prix is that because, one, I'm there. People know I'm there. I've always been there. And I have access to people that you can't get access to. I can walk in and have conversations with people you can't have access to because I've been around a long time. That's what it's all about. And if I don't do that, I'll be quite, you know, I'll save myself 40 grand a year if I don't go to all the races. But I won't be a true voice of Formula One anymore because I won't have access to those people. I might be able to ring them up. Occasionally, I'll get through when they're not busy. 
But the fact is that when you're there and in the paddock, you are a credible figure and they recognize the effort that is being made to report on the sport and they respond to that. They don't necessarily respond to it enough, you know, but we're all based on our numbers. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, the trouble is they don't always get the numbers right. You know, it, everyone thinks that Sky TV is, whoops, pardon, I dropped my pencil. They're not allowed to do that, am I? Everyone um, heard Joe, didn't need to explain. It was very <laughs> loud. Um, you see, everyone thinks that Sky News is the biggest and most important thing in the world, whatever it's called. It's not. Because they have a very limited number of people who are actually watching them. Their access for the number of people they have is very small. You compare that to the Hindustan Times, that has far more viewers, viewers, readers, whatever, people who um, use the media available, far more than Sky does. But does, does the Hindustan Times get access? No, because people haven't figured that out. The sun is more powerful than Sky by a long way. Now, okay, they're owned by the same people, maybe, whatever. But the fact is that there are newspapers in this world and there are outlets on the internet that are far more powerful than these TV companies who are getting access they don't deserve to have because they because they charge such huge amounts of money, they have very small viewers. And Channel 4 is actually, I would say, probably more important than Sky in that respect because their viewership numbers are huge in comparison. Well, they Whereas were. actually, when all is said and done, China television is far more important than all of them. If, I, you're, if you're talking just numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you asked the question. No, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, perhaps I'm just, I'm not smart enough. And also, I was getting distracted with the ongoing German language discussion in the live chat room. Uh, we, and I did let that distract me. So I do apologize. Um, the interest in that has has faded from this side of, of the webcam. But suffice to say that let's just assume you're right. And I beeped it anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, I am interested to know what you're going to do with that video because... I, I would say the nearest thing you have to a video outlet would be this channel here. But we can talk about that offline, Joe. Remember us. Think about us, Joe. No, the thing the thing about it is, is that there's lots of different ways you can use your five minutes of video, if that's what it is for a whole weekend. And, and you know, five minutes is, is worth something. But how you use it, the technology involved, is is not necessarily important. The fact is that we have it. And that's really key because without it, you know, with the world, the world is gradually moving towards video. If you look at any kind of news outlet, everything is now video. The written word is people can't cope with more than 200 words because, you know, they run out of energy, poor dears. They need more sugar. And to get to 350 words, you know, they, they need a Cornish pasty, you know, um, whatever. It's, it, it's actually incredibly sad, which is um, in a way – why some of the problems we have around the world are, are coming along because people don't read enough anymore. People vote on things they have no idea what they're voting on. Let's not get into too much detail well, here. Well, we can't, Joe, because I don't have an opinion on those kind of politics one way or the no, other. I, I, did I say I have an opinion on the politics? I have an opinion on the on the fact that people are voting when they have not the faintest idea what they're voting on. Yeah, but I follow you on Twitter as well, Joe. So, Well, that's as maybe, but there's also, you know, it's not just a European example. There are American examples as well. There are decisions <laughs> being made by voters that are insane because they don't understand history. They don't understand what they're doing. And, you know, I'm a great I actually think that um, that education should be included in the ability to vote. But that's another story. 
Find people on both sides, Joe. Find, find, find people on both sides. Let's talk a little bit of F1 news, because as you say, you have your eyes and ears on the ground. And I refuse to believe for a second that in the Joe Sayward south of France countryside bat cave or, or Joe cave, uh, you have not had your ear to the ground and your finger on the pulse of F1. Now, me and the, uh, me and the lads, me and uh, Kyle Power, the edgy car power and Chris Stevens were chatting yesterday. And I think where we kind of got lost is the new players in funding this year in Formula One. So from, from the business side of Formula One, there's at least four teams that are seeing huge changes in the way they're funded. And as we know, money talks. Money means you can explore lots of different avenues, failed ones, go down dead ends and still come out with something good. So we've got Williams, Haas, Alfa Romeo, um, and I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, and the stroll, the stroll billions coming in as well, which are just fascinating changes in dynamic of those of those teams, and and people just don't understand what that means in real terms. So if you don't mind, Joe, uh, I'm going to sort of tap your brain about some of those. Well, I think it's fair to say we all know that Alfa Romeo is a car company. They sell cars. They have some money. They're part of the Fiat Chrysler Group, which, incidentally, you may read in some less well-informed websites that they're part of the same group as Ferrari. They're not. They're separate. Um, And what doesn't make a lot of sense to me in that respect is that Alfa Romeo is going to be – when you see them listed on the TV screens, it should. I don't know if it will, but it should say Alfa Romeo Ferrari. Which makes no sense at all. It's a bit like Aston Martin Honda, which doesn't make any sense to me either. But, you know, um, Alfa Romeo wants to be seen as being a sexy sporting brand. And so running Ferrari engines is not the way to do it. I guess it's the only the only choice they have up until 2021 when they can change things. And then we'll have Alfa Romeo, Alfa Romeo, and then they can do the job properly. And in the meantime, it's, it, I think it's a stopgap arrangement, which is fine, but it just won't be as good as it should be if they had their own engines. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
second one, Stroll. Racing Point. Um, they have a, a, a gambling company behind them. Good for them. Gambling, there's a lot of money in gambling. And uh, if they are happy to take that on um, and play the game, good for them. You know, we'll see. I don't think there's any money worries in that respect because those people really do have money. Everyone likes to gamble. When you, say, when you say those people, when you say those people, are you talking about sport? Peter. Sport, right? So, so this isn't just Lawrence Stroll pouring personal billions in. He's he's no, really- no, no. It's a, it's a very big African. It's actually an African uh, company um, based in Kenya, and it's a very very. There's a lot of gambling in Africa, and there's there's a lot of money. And they want to tell the world that Sport Pazer is a company that does a lot of gambling online. So it makes sense. There, there are a couple of deals that don't necessarily make sense. If you go on to Haas, we have this uh, energy drink called Rich. I've yet to find anybody who's ever found a, 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 a can of Rich energy drink. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have money. Yeah. What it means is that it's a gamble. It's a bet. Um, and they've got a good deal to get the whole of the car. And I guess that they're probably supported by investors. Uh, and the, the guy in charge with the uh, rather strange beard um, has said several times that he has, you know, he has billionaire investors behind him. Well, good for him. Um, there are some tax advantages in investing rather than uh, giving your money to the government. They're not huge, I have to say. They're not massively big amounts of money you can save in tax. But um, I, that, that kind of makes sense. You make a bet on a, on a, on a company that hasn't really started yet. The only thing is that from a business point of view, I don't really understand the idea of promoting a brand that doesn't have uh, production and doesn't have distribution. But I'm not a good businessman, so maybe they're smarter than me. And if they're billionaires, they probably are smarter than me or luckier anyway. Um, So that one is interesting. Um, The Haas team absolutely insists that they've got bank guarantees, which means that if the company doesn't pay, the bank will. And that's what a bank guarantee actually means. So the banks, obviously, and banks, you know, as we know, are mean, nasty people. Um, so if they believe the people enough, mm-hmm. the money will come up. So uh, I think Hass is, you know, we'll see what happens. But when I start to see rich appearing in supermarkets, then I'll say, okay, now it makes sense. You can but get right? it on Amazon. You can order it. I know some people have gone out of their way to order some. Uh, and has Amazon. it arrived? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It? Um, it? My, my colleague was parading his cans of rich energy around the floor plate, and uh, the consensus is it tastes exactly like Red Bull and Monster. It's uh, it's almost like if you want to invest in something and have your name on a tangible product when really you're just a money and a business guy, stick it on the side of a sugary drink, and that's you given a business identity. That's that's kind of how it well, feels like. up to a point, but there is, a, there is also, you know, when people look at Red Bull and Monster and these kind of companies, rich people go, you know, holy camoly, there's a lot of money to be made there if you, if you get your branding right. Now, I don't know if Rich Energy is the right branding or being in Formula One is the right thing to do, but I can see what they're trying to do. If you've got money to burn, burn some and try to make a load more. How much did they pay Lotus for their colour scheme and the livery idea? Well, they wouldn't have paid Lotus anything because Lotus doesn't own the colour scheme or the livery idea. You know, Spiritually, the, it does, Joe. No, it doesn't. 
it's business. This is a business world. <laughs> it's black, it's gold, and nobody owns it. And it, I, I actually, I mean, if you look at the car, it's pretty hard to see rich anyway. So it's kind of wacky. Um, anyway, whatever. Uh, Gene Haas is no idiot. Um, and he's, he, you know, he's, he's sufficiently convinced that there's money there to do a deal. Uh, I think, I think that they got a cheap deal because Rich Energy was talking to Williams. Um, and Haas came in and made a better offer, I think. Ooh, and all is said and done. That's like some proper needle there then, isn't it? Uh, yes, I think there is a, a certain amount of proper needle. As to Rocket, <laughs> the Williams sponsor. Careful, um, Jack. Careful, Jack. I, I, I know Jonathan Kendrick, the man behind it. Okay. And I've known him since 1984. I mean, I haven't known him since then. I first mm-hmm. met him in 84. He disappeared soon after that. Um, and to be honest, I didn't miss him a lot. Um, and uh, there's a few people in Formula 3 at that time who weren't particularly happy with the way he did business. Um, he ran the Yokohama Tire franchise. If you ask Eddie Jordan, um, some of the words might be printable. Um, if you ask Gary Anderson, some of the words might not be printable, you know, but um, – he had a reputation of being a, a fairly ruthless businessman who was around racing for a very short time, went off and apparently made loads of money in the Eastern Bloc. But what, what he's done is fair enough. He's, he's you, know, uh, you know what rocket means? Do I you? do not. Well, ROK is a, um, a large group of brands which seems to have businesses in about 20, 25 different things, a bit virgin-y if you like. Or virginal, I suppose, would be the right expression. Um, and it means return of Kendrick, R-O-K. So basically, uh, Kendrick is coming back. Uh, now, where's the money come from? They have the backing of a very, very wealthy man called uh, Paul DeJoria, who is an investor from America, who made lots of money in Patron uh, tequila and things like that, and you know if he's if he's convinced that um, Kendrick is the right man to go with, well, good for him. So we'll see. Maybe Kendrick is 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 not the uh, the sharp businessman that he was in the old days. Uh, he must be quite old now, um, to be quite honest, because he was a, he was certainly older than me, and I was quite young at the time. So he's got to be in his mid 60s i would say probably even late 60s by now yeah because you are already yourself many years old joe no i'm not i'm i'm still very young actually i'm remarkably young i yeah i've got i've got several years to go before i get to 60 you know so well um, I, several is generous i would say a few that is a few. Isn't well, it? what's the difference between several and a few? Few is less, I would say, Joe. Uh, so you've given us a great insight into uh, some of the backers, and and honestly, this is the kind of stuff that the there's a lot of misinformation about. And unless you're someone who's going to trawl around on Reddit and decide what's true and not true, it's useful to have it from someone like you. So, well, there's there's also a lot of uh, misinformation out there. There's a lot of people who don't know anything about these people. I mean, admittedly. I don't know a whole lot about some of them, but you can do a certain amount of research into them. Um, and you can see that, you know, you can find out uh, with experience more than anything else. Because you can remember in Formula One, we've seen all kinds of of flash Harrys, if you like. I don't know if that's an expression you will 
I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Back in the 20s, Joe, that, Joe, that a, was all cultural, the rage. It's that. a cultural <laughs> reference to things back in the old days before you were born. Yeah, us, us millennials. A Flash, a Flash Harry was a, a bit of a wide boy, um, and we've seen endless numbers of these people in Formula One. So, you know, it generally indicates a team that is desperate for money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very worried. I have to say, I'm very worried about the state of Williams, um, given not just the sponsorship deal. But the fact that they're not going to be out in time for the first test, I mean, it's it, – I doubt we'll see if they make get a car running at all this week, but I doubt it. But they're, they're already on the back foot. And well, that, that, that is a question that we had uh, from our Twitter people. And thank you very much to the people who got in touch uh, when I tweeted from at Spanners Ready and from at Mr. Apex F1. Joe Sayward is just Joe Sayward on Twitter. There is only one. Um, there was a lot of questions about Williams. Um, so Papa Bird said, why does Joe think Williams are two days behind every other team? Our Noodle says, does Joe think Williams are only two days behind other teams? And you just alluded to perhaps it's no, at they're least, at least a week. They're at least a week behind everybody. But the fact is that if you miss, you have eight days of testing before the season begins. If you miss four of them, you've lost half your ability to react then if you have an organization that is not as well funded as others your speed of reaction is less so inevitably unless they produce an utterly brilliant car which is suddenly going to be at the front and then will fall backwards a la brawn if you like um they're already going to be at the back aren't they have you any insight into why because we were just wildly speculating yesterday. We've seen stuff on Reddit that it's about parts not being developed on time. Uh, but it's 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 not like they didn't know this date was coming for a long time. And if they're not ready for the first week of testing and something comes out for the second week of testing, it, it, it's not going to be a case of, well, they're just going to start from day one. The likelihood is that it's going to be even behind where they would have wanted to have been on day one just to make sure they get out in week two. The whole thing is heartbreaking for for well-wishers of Williams. Absolutely. The truth of the matter is, whether you like it or not, is that nine teams have managed to do it and one team hasn't. And what that tells you is that, that one team has either is either not competent to produce everything in the time available and get the correct timelines, or you know, it, it hasn't got enough money to do the, the thing in time. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but you can't have ambitious timelines if you haven't got the money to back it up. You've got to be able to deliver. And they haven't. But they haven't delivered for a number of years now. We're talking, yeah. you know, we're, we're looking into a, a serious disaster that is heading. I, I fear, I fear that, that, you know, it's how can you be doing this with the Mercedes engine? That's the key point. And what happens when Mercedes finally say, well, why on earth are we associating ourselves with these people? It has to come. But it has not, to come. But not actually getting to testing, which is a date that, that hasn't moved. It hasn't jumped and surprised them. That smacks of a project management error. That smacks of general engineering logistics going wrong. And more and more, the drumbeat from fans and on forums is talking about Claire Williams. And a lot of the the anger and the disappointment is being focused on Claire Williams at the moment. Is it unavoidable when an organization is failing year on year on year? You look right at the top and, and there's nowhere past Claire to look 
and and she's getting the yes, brunt of the blame. I mean, there are places to look, but the fact is that if you're the boss and your technical staff screw up, the boss has to bite the bullet and say you're fired in the in the finest traditions of Donald Trump. You're fired, you know. But the fact is that if if you're not letting if you're letting people get away with things, or you don't know enough to stop it happening. I don't know. I don't know why the whys and the wherefores. I'm sure Claire is very passionate about it because she is, but that doesn't mean she knows how to do it. But at the end of the day, um, Paddy Lowe is the chief technical officer. He has to take. If there's a bullet coming this year, it's his bullet. You know, he's already. They've already fired the chief designer and the chief aero last year. They've replaced them with new people. If they can't do it then next one has to be the chief technical officer. It's his responsibility to get things delivered on time. If he hasn't done it, sorry. Now, if they don't then do that, if they say, we'll give him another chance, then that becomes the fault of the super management because ultimately somebody has to take the blame for getting it wrong. You can't get it wrong year in, year out. But we are facing the very real possibility that Williams are not only going to be underachieving, not only going to be last, but actually they're going to be adrift, much like Manor, Caterham, Marussia. That's that's what we're realistically looking at now. It, it's certainly heading that way, yeah. Which is, I, as which I said it, me, I felt brings, terrible. It brings me great pain because I'm yeah. a huge Williams fan and always have been, and I don't like it. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to be honest with it and say, well, okay, this is happening. Why is it happening? And the only answers you can come up with, it's not to do with money. Because you look at Force India, what they do with the same kind of resources as Williams and the same kind of engine that Williams has, then it's down to something else. It's down to management. It's down to people. And that's when you have to start really getting tough. And that's when it gets nasty, admittedly. So why don't we be a bit more positive? Because the three teams we covered there, I, I want to talk about what impact that might have on their racing performance. But before we do that, Joe, you are one of these fancy hoity-toity types that goes off, swans off around the EU, one of these elites in the French countryside sipping wine in luxury. But you are coming to London to, to grace us, to visit us on the 22nd of February. So that's that's this so Friday. It's, it's this Friday. Yes, I am. I'm coming to have one of my audiences where you can come and ask me any question you like, and I'll try and answer it. And um, they're fun. They're fun events. Um, and you can meet other race fans. You can ask questions. I'll answer every question I can. I'll feed you. So basically, it's not such a bad deal considering you get fed. You have to pay for your own booze, you know, because we, you know, we can't put up with all the dipsomaniacs in the world, myself included. But, um, you know, uh, it'll be fun. It's happening in Chelsea. It's it's a nice area. You won't get mugged on the way home. Well, you might by rich people, but there you are. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to know more about it, check out the blog because it's all there. But uh, it, it's, you know, I'm trying to – to give people insight. And one of the things you can do uh, at a live event is say things which are not recorded and nobody will ever be able to say, he, that's what he said. So the, the, you get a little bit more insight than when things are recorded. Well, um, I've been to a few of those now. And for me, it's the price of a show 
and it's in central London and you are surrounded by lots of other F1 fans and you get to kind of chat about F1 even when you're not talking Joe during the dinner during the breaks and everything I've always found them very enjoyable this time around however Mrs Spanners is playing a live gig in London and me and Trumpets are going down there unfortunately Mrs Spanners does does trump my time over a live audience listen we all have we (laughs) well a lot of us have partners in formula one sometimes we don't because you lose them along the way because uh, you spend too much time doing things but uh, one has to balance all these things out and we're very bad at balancing in formula one terms because we tend to be very passionate about it but i fully understand when people say i can't do it it's very uh, it's entirely understandable you know so if you want to go and have an audience with Joe, which I highly recommend, uh, it's go to Joe at the internet and find details of that kind of thing. But let's get back to a bit of F1 racing because... Um, JoeBlogsF1.com. It's on the blog there. You'll find it. There's no other Joe Saywards. It's fine. Uh, just type in Joe Saywards and... Uh, yeah, but nobody ever spells my name right anyway. So. Or says it right. Because I, I know people with your surname who pronounce it properly, but you insist on Saywood, which I don't think is right. Think you might have got your own name wrong. <laughs> but perfect, perfectly understandable. Yes, yes. <laughs> you should just make up a fake internet name. It's fine. Everyone's doing it. Uh, Joe, a bit more positivity though, because Alpha with that big budget, people are talking about it as being a big, bigger budget. Uh, Force India having, I mean, Otmeyer Schaff Nauer was talking about a change of philosophy, possibly. Zafnauer. Yeah, I got close enough. If you say it differently every time, you can never always be wrong. And then, of course, we've got Haas as well, who have managed to sort of steal rich energy away. You, out have, of to those three... how you, you have to be careful how you say Haas. Haas. Anyway, out, really... out of those three teams, Joe, which one of those do you think can really be exciting with that change of financing? Because personally, I, I'm really excited about uh, Racing Point. Sorry, I said Force India before, didn't I? Um, I'm really excited about Racing Point. That is the team for me that's got the biggest range of of what they could do. They could really disappoint with yeah, but uh, not but not in one year. We, See, I, the thing the thing is in one. Well, there are two things. But I want it now. Well, you may want it now, but they need to build a new factory and a new wind tunnel and this and that. So there's a long way. There's a lot of investment necessary. The other thing is they don't have necessarily the best possible driver lineup, um, which I'll gloss over quite quickly but the fact is that when you're dumping Esteban Ocon for somebody else you're not necessarily doing it right yeah but that kind of came with the package didn't it so they wouldn't have that be that as it may you're asking me to give an opinion on whether they will perform well and that I think will have an impact upon it yeah Um, Perez is blinking brilliant though isn't he well if he's awake yeah oh Joe Oh, don't don't break it! Don't break our hearts. Come on, uh, I, I think Perez, given given the the right backing, could be great at carrying a team. However, there's that question mark over nepotism. Let's just say the dirty word. You know, is he going to be held back by being Lance Stroll's teammate? Well, I hope not, because he's got a lot more chance of achieving things than Lance Stroll has. Well, I agree. I agree with that, Joe. Well, there you go. We agree on something finally. Anyway, um, of the others, um, I think that Alfa Romeo, we have to see how big a budget change it is. They have some very good people down there. But I think one of the most important factors of last year was Charles Leclerc. And, And I think that people need to be inspired. And if they're not inspired by Kimi Raikkonen, 
an Antonio Giovinazzi, which, you know, they might be, but I don't see either one of them being, you know, the next big banana of Formula One. Um, and, you know, we, we might see uh, the workforce going back to nine to five kind of approach, which is absolute death for a racing team. When, when you know, they get into not being inspired, what you want is the inspiration. Fernando Alonso might have been a pain in the neck, but he got people at McLaren working, you know. Um, and, and that's what you have to have. You have to have people who go the extra mile for their drivers. Would you say, though, that the midfield has definitely been shaken up this year? That, that there's, there's a lot we don't know. I don't think the top three are going to change, but that midfield is super exciting. I don't know about the top three because I, I, I've got to be convinced about the Honda engines yet. So, um, okay, I'll put my I'll put my Spanners bucks down here on the on the line. I think that the Honda will perform reasonably in the Red Bull. I think they'll have a great relationship, but I don't see Honda suddenly taking on the mantle of the top two engine suppliers. Not this year. But having said that, at the end of last year, Red Bull was the the team winning most things. They were the dominant force at the end of last year when you look at it. I mean, yes, Mercedes were finishing off the championship, but Max Verstappen should have won Brazil. He did win Mexico. Uh, what was the other one? Singapore? Um, Some, something? No, 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 Abu Dhabi. Ah, okay, um, yeah. I, you know, the fact is that that was a very, very uh, successful team at the end of last year. Now, how far back is it going to drop? If it doesn't drop back, that's fine. It's great. We actually need Honda to be successful, um, I think, in Formula One terms. But will they be? I don't know. The other one I want to see is Renault because I think that Renault mm. has been putting the money in, has been developing the factory, has been doing all the things you need to do. So they should be moving closer to the top. Um, McLaren logically should be moving close to the top but i think that's still a bit uh, a team that's a little bit lost at the moment i hope not because i'm a big fan of mclaren as well but you know um i just i just want to see things uh kind of making sense and at the moment it's all still sort of being glued together if you know what i mean so then joe why don't we why don't we finish off today because um, in line with your earlier comments about tech journalists, uh, Summers has put some tech insight into what he thinks about the cars on first look. And he sent me some some voice notes and I'm just going to attach them to the end of the show. Uh, of course, as we've established, he is just guessing. Uh, <laughs> but we have some Q&A uh, from Twitter, if you don't mind, Joe. Uh, DB, double bargeboard, says, Silverstone, is this the last year? Because I need to know whether I'm going to buy a ticket or not. But it's uh, it's always last year at Silverstone, isn't it? No, this one is probably the way things are going at the moment. It could be the last year, but uh, I'm not sure that anyone's really willing to let that happen. But how they find a solution is another matter. There needs to be a solution found. There, I'm told that the gap between what is being asked and what is required is not as big as people think. Ah. But you know, there has to be a solution that suits everybody. Will that be – I can see a deal happening maybe whereby it's a short-term three-year deal, maybe keeping the same price and, and maybe knocking down the uh, the uh, escalator, increasing. There may be a way around it. But 
at the same time if 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 liberty media finds other races willing to pay more money it might take the risk and sort of say well is the british grand prix really essential particularly in this age of b-r-e-x-i-t um where britain is doing weird things so i, I don't have know we'll no see. strong opinion on that one way or the other but as a punter looking at silverstone i've not been to silverstone since 2013 and every Ancient history well i know every year though i look at it and i go i've got to get down there with treeface uh to, to show him some some racing again the only the only time we've been to silverstone actually has been for the six hours world endurance championship which sitting in the stands is is very good i don't think it comes across fantastically on, on telly all the time uh, but i've not gone to a grand prix because every year i look at the prices and i go as just a, a, a working joe i look at those prices and even just for yourself it's terrible and then you add the kid and you think well maybe on the outside of it i could take him out of school on a friday but but the prices for silverstone are just insane from our point of view is that to do with these escalating payments no it's to do with the fact that silverstone is incapable of getting government money Every other race in the calendar has government money from some level or other. Silverstone hasn't got it. They say they can't get it. They should be able to get it. The trouble is, to use that word we're not allowed to mention, uh, there's no politician in this country who's thought about anything other than this stupid word for the last 12 months. And it's not going to get any better. They should save the British Grand Prix, put some money into it and stop messing about. But they're too busy worrying about you know, whether bananas are going to get delivered or not. So whatever the, the thing is, um, it is only natural that when every other race on the Formula One calendar has government money, how can you assume that Britain will survive without it? I think what may happen is they'll have to drop it from the calendar to wake up these idiots in Parliament to realise that there is um, a very important industry behind this business and, and that's, we've seen that happen in other countries. We saw Canada drop out one year when the politicians were being idiots. And boy, did they run back in a hurry when they realized what they'd given away. So we'll see. Um, but fundamentally, I think Britain has to have some kind of government money behind it because everyone else does. That was a PSA from Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. Remember, kids, stockpile on booze and remain indoors. Above all else. <laughs> remain indoors i have one more question for you from darren, very droll, very droll. <laughs> from darren vincent has he watched i think you're the he joe has he watched formula e yet for great races so far now it's in the, the time, new formula e or the old one season five formula e since i've known you you have softened a little bit from unless it's exploding dead dinosaur i don't care to oh well maybe there's some merit to a bit of esports and stuff so i want to grill you a little bit have you softened hang on, on hang formula on e? formula e and esports are not the same thing no no they're two different things joe so i'm going to ask you about two different things okay but they esports were... esports i'm big on now big on? whoa not just accepting of big no, on. no have, having having looked at it closely i think it's <laughs> i think it's terrific and i think what's going on is really worth following formula e i'm not convinced about because I still don't believe that electric cars are necessarily the future. And until they solve the problem of battery development, I don't see why it's going to change. I agree I, with you. Hydro, yeah. I think hydrogen will come along before electric 
cars really make it. Okay, so. I, I agreed with some of that. So the first bit about the battery development, I, I absolutely agree with you on, on that term from, from an engineering point of view. However, from a racing point of view, Formula E has done all right. What's exciting about Formula E? Look, it's not exciting that the, the bloke winning the race runs out of fuel <laughs> at the last corner. I mean, that's exciting, yes, because you get a, a scrabbling across the line, but it's like NASCAR, you know. Was the Daytona 500 last night exciting because they kept crashing into each other, or was it just rather silly? I, I mean, to- it was beautiful to watch all the sparks as these 21 cars collided with each other. It was beautiful, but it was totally stupid in terms of wasting money. Um, and, you know, and it took – the last 10 laps took 45 minutes because they kept red flagging it because they just all collided with each other. They don't race for the first 450 kilometers. They only race in the last 10 minutes. Um, so is that great racing? Is it is it a terrific result? Uh, you know, racing is, is not about necessarily what happens in the last 20 meters of a race. You know, it's about Formula One is a subtle kind of excitement. And if you understand what's going on, people say, you know, Mercedes have won 75% of the races. That's true, but they haven't, you know, it hasn't been dominant. They've been very, very close, lots of the races. If you don't understand that they're close, then you're not being, um, you're not being told the story correctly. And that's where I think Formula One has failed, is that we don't tell the story of just how close they are. So does that mean, now that you're a lover of esports, that you're going to be tuned into the Missed Apex iRacing League, which is going to be taking place very soon, Joe? I have no idea. The iRacing, well, because I invented that, didn't I? So- you invented it. Go on then, Joe. Why don't you tell us your Brian Blessed-style story of how you invented esports? Honestly, I uh, before, e-sports. before the live stream started, Joe I- was there e-sports. going, I invented esports. Go on, go on. No, I didn't. I didn't invent esports. What what I did was, by accident, without knowing I'd done it, is that, and I only discovered this because a, a guy put out a video, or somebody put out a video. Man who invented Grand Prix Legends and iSports did so because he was inspired by a book in 1980, whenever, six, seven, something like that. And it just happened to be a book that I wrote. So it's kind of funny in a in a kind of roundabout way. And if you want to see, there is a video on flatoutpublishing.com, which explains it all, in his words, not mine, about how he was inspired by reading this book. And I just thought it's really funny how the world is, <laughs> how the world turns and, and you can inspire a, a lot of people by writing a book Wait without a realizing the impact of it. Wait a minute. I'm no detective, Joe. But did your sudden U-turn on deciding esports were brilliant coincide with you also no, deciding that you invented no. esports? No, completely not. Um, <laughs> I didn't invent esports. That's your claim. No, no, it's not quite what I said. But um, no, it didn't. I, what, what happened was that I thought at the end of last year, before actually I sort of thought through this, the whole uh, e-sport thing, um, i-racing thing rather, um, I thought the, there's a whole bunch of people getting excited about this mm-hmm. e-sport. Um, and there are sponsors going into it. And there's a young generation here, maybe, because the young generation are things that everybody in Formula One, particularly the media, is lacking. Um, maybe I should look at this and see if there's a way that I can relate to younger generations. Now, as I'm obviously a crusty old fart, sorry, a crusty old fellow. Ah, it's too late, Joe. I'm just marking this explicit. 
Very good. Well, fart's not a bad word anyway. Um, that it was probably worth having a look at. And when I looked at it, the more I looked at it, I thought, actually, these guys are um, quite impressive, some of them. Not all of them, but some of them are very impressive. Uh, and the technology is very impressive. And I think the potential for doing things is very impressive. And for driving new business into yeah. Formula One, that's where I think its value lies. And yeah. it's just a matter of handling it properly. Now, the ultimate way of doing that would be to pick up the guy who wins the championship and turn him into a Formula One racer. But that's a really seriously difficult thing to do. Um, Baby steps. The nearest the nearest we've got to that would be Jan Mardenbro, who's racing in Japan, who was one of the original original Nissan Academy winners. Yeah, very early esports uh representative though so you know things are only going to evolve from evolve from that lando nice is probably yeah but the talent you know the fact but lando's done it in real cars Mm -hmm. and and you've got to have that race craft you don't have in a virtual game so you've got to start in you've got to start in probably formula four you can't you can't go in anywhere higher than that i don't think but i don't know i mean there's only one way to find out and that's to see if they can do it but you know the, the people who do this stuff have got the same motor skills and high end, high hand to eye coordination that racing drivers have. They've got all the same skills. What they don't, what we don't know is do they have the courage um, and do they have the fitness? That's because a big factor, yeah. The, these are, these are uh, elements that are very key. And there's also the question of determination as well. You know, sitting in a sitting in a in a in a fake cockpit, driving a fake car around a fake circuit, doesn't necessarily mean you can do it in for the real thing. Joe, I am heartened hearing you say this. I, I really am. Especially someone from your generation can reach all the way back here into the future where we are uh, and acknowledge the the, <laughs> the 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 level of competition and the skill it takes to do gaming. Because because I am a huge gamer and I've always had to deal with parents and now mrs spanners talking about it as if it's just playing you know cuba on on your phone or something like that but it's not i i honestly genuinely see computer games at their very top as up there with sports in terms of competition not in terms of physicality and bravery so i'm, I'm very heartened to hear you say that the missed apex i racing event will now I believe, be on Sunday, the 24th of February. Um, So I think that's next Sunday, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, so next Sunday, yeah. yeah. Uh, Probably. I think I've still got to ask some permission. But if you want to get on the iRacing list, make sure you email me, spannersready at gmail.com, and let me know if you want to be in on this Sunday, because we now have too many people registered to all fit on one grid, which is a fantastic problem to have. But you should be fine for the moment. Joe, people can, of course, follow you by searching Joe Saywood Blogs F1. They can, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad that uh, we're making some progress in the in that direction of, of being understood. But, um, you know, I think, I think that we have to. Formula One is all about the future. So we have to be smart enough to accept that there is a future. Where the future is, we don't necessarily know where it's going. But, you know, for me, I fully understand um, the idea behind uh, the whole eSport concept. I just want to see, and I'm fascinated to see, there is talk at the moment of that Formula One motor racing in general has one absolutely unique 
advantage over every other kind of e-sport there is. Do you know what that is? Tell me. It's the only sport where you do the same thing. If you're playing e-football, you're not kicking anything. <laughs> no, you're hammering buttons. If, if, you're, if you're doing e-horse riding, you're not sitting there bucking around on something. The only sport where you do exactly the same thing is motor racing. And there's talk of motor racing getting to the Olympic Games as an e-sport. Ooh, well, there you go. You really have done a 360 here, Joe. No, I haven't. I'm just recognising that there are things that perhaps I wasn't thinking about before, that's all. Make sure you that doesn't, got... that doesn't make it a 360. It just means that I'm wiser as I get older or something, you know. A wise man changes his mind when the evidence changes. And Joe, I think you've proved yourself in F1 to be a wise man. Make sure you <laughs> well, go. Well, I've and... remained in Formula One for a long time. Exactly. Yes. Make sure you go and see Joe and uh, find those stories of many, 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 many decades of Formula One journalism experience. It is worth the price of entry. I can personally vouch for that. You can follow the show at Missed Apex F1, and you can follow me by searching Spanners Ready on all the social media stuff. For the audio listeners, you will, after the credits here, Summers F1, giving us a little tech roundup of what he thought of the car launches, and he'll be joining us for a full podcast very, very soon between the two testing sessions. Until we see you again, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe. Hi Spanners, hi everybody else, I hope you're well and I hope you're as pumped as I am for the start of testing uh, having seen seven of the cars officially launched and also the spy shots released of the Sauber Alfa Romeo as it tested around the Furano circuit we've got a good idea of where everybody is heading towards in, at the start of this season in terms of the technical aspects of the car uh, I think probably what we should do is quickly just have a round up of the teams that we've seen so far, starting at the front with Mercedes, Mercedes have chosen an evolutionary process for their car this year so the, the W10 is very much in a similar vein to, to the W09 uh, also do, obviously to suit the new regulations with their front wing perhaps the more conventional design that we see on the, on the grid uh, however they've got an inswept front wing the the, the end plate kicks inwards rather than outwards uh, to try to encourage more outwash as it goes across the front face of the tyre uh, something that I'll explain in more detail in a, an upcoming video that I, I'm producing for YouTube currently. Uh, just looking at the, the front wing designs that we're going to see uh, at the start of this season. The car itself, though, has the high front suspension elements that we, we see, we've seen over the last couple of seasons from them, and also a conventional side pod layout, whereas everybody else has started to switch to the Ferrari-style uh, high periscope-style inlet. So... Mercedes going their own way uh, and keeping things as simple as possible for them. Uh, there's no need for them to chase huge amounts of performance. Everybody else has to chase them at the end of the day. Moving on to Ferrari, obviously the, the team that were chasing last season. They made some operational er errors towards the end of the season, bringing some parts that didn't perhaps work and had to make switchbacks. So this car is again an evolution. It is slightly longer than last year's car by a few millimetres. It's nothing major, not quite as long as the Mercedes, uh, but does feature a little bit more rake. 
Their philosophy is obviously very different. They have the lower front suspension elements so that it drives air over the top of them towards their periscope style side pod outlets, uh, inlets, sorry. Uh, and then obviously they, they, they have made some changes internally this season to their cooling, uh, because if we take a look at their airbox, they've got a trapezoid style airbox this year rather than the oval, large oval shape one that they've ran for the last couple of seasons. And the reason they've done that is they've repackaged things internally to try to improve the cooling and aerodynamic efficiency of the car. So Ferrari, again, it's uh, an evolution, but a, a good step forward. Moving over onto Red Bull and Red Bull have again, made a step forward from what we've seen from them last season uh in terms of their 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 packaging now obviously they have the honda power unit in there this year this year uh which will need to have exceptional performance to allow them to take the fight to both mercedes and uh, and ferrari uh but the bodywork is so tight around the back of the RB15. Uh, Adrian Newey and the gang have done an amazing job of pairing in the bodywork around the Honda Power Unit, which clearly has a smaller footprint than the Renault uh, to enable them to do that. Both Ferrari and Red Bull have picked up on a, a loophole within the regulations in terms of the barge boards as well. So they've got a taller section at the front of the barge boards that shouldn't typically be possible uh, based on the new regulations for the heights there. So that's inter- an interesting uh, little tidbit there that uh, those two teams have been able to find. Moving over to Renault, obviously they've stolen Daniel Ricciardo away from Renault, uh, uh, from Red Bull, sorry, uh, and. I think they've made a decent step forward. I don't think they have enough to be able to take it to the likes of Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull this season and will consolidate the, the fourth position that they own throughout last season. But um, it, it's a fairly interesting car that they've got there um, uh, and I think they will be at the, the top end of the, the midfield pack uh, based on, on what we're seeing from the, the RS7, uh, RS19. Moving on to the Haas VF19, that particular car was launched uh, with a 2018 car uh, just to show off the livery, which is in black and gold due to the rich energy branding that we'll see this year. Uh, the, they also released some renders though, but the renders only really show so much detail. And what we can see from those is, is that the, this year's car is very much a carryover from last year's. Some areas of the car have been refined quite heavily, but uh, the, the the car itself is really no massive progression. Uh, they've obviously clearly had to deal with the regulation change in terms of the, the front wing and, and rear wing and the lowering of the, bar, the barge boards. But apart from that, we are just seeing the team tidy up areas of the, the car in order to try to gain performance. Then we move over to Toro Rosso. Again, like Haas, they have areas of the car that are carryover items, but they've moved away from the high front suspension elements that they carried in the same way as Mercedes. Uh, and they've done that because they've moved across to the high side pod inlet, uh, much like the, the periscope design seen at Ferrari, uh, in 2017, uh, and other teams throughout 2018. Uh, they clearly obviously have to, to deal with the Honda power unit, just like their sister team Red Bull this year. And they'll be hoping for more performance from Honda in order that they can move their way up the grid. Then we move over to McLaren and the MCL34, which is actually a very uh, interesting car. Uh, they've made quite significant changes to 
their car for this season, predominantly around resolving issues that they had with the pre- with its predecessor. Uh, they had some aerodynamic instability issues, uh, and also they had issues surrounding the power unit and its installation, uh, and also how they would cool the power unit throughout 2018. Receiving that Renault unit so late as they did put a huge strain on McLaren in terms of being able to to cope with the the transition uh, and they made clearly made mistakes with the way in which they did that so hopefully they'll have resolved those for for 2019 and that will alone will be a big step forward for them and should bring them well into the the middle of the the midfield pack but I do think some of the changes that they've made to the aerodynamic and chassis side of things will perhaps catapult them even further forward uh, so I do see perhaps that McLaren will have the biggest leap forward of anybody um, but obviously they had a low starting position anyway been putting a lot of content out on my channels lately so obviously if you if you just search for summers f1 you'll find all of that content i've got over on twitter i do rapid analysis got more in-depth stuff on my website and also on Patre- on my patreon page and then also you've got my YouTube channel where I'm also producing videos at the moment on, on all of the launch cars and we'll be looking at all the progress throughout testing. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.